I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. You're listening to the Three Bonus Points Podcast with George Osborne and Ryan King. Hello and welcome to the Three Bonus Points Podcast, a fantasy football podcast. It feels like quite a long time since we were here last. Uh, that international break, uh, for some reason, just feels a lot longer than the last one. Perhaps it was one of those, it was some of the sluggish football played by home nations. <laughs> I'm Ryan Keeney and he is George Osborne and it's basically our jobs to remind you to make your fantasy football changes this week. Hello everyone. Hello, George. It does feel like it's been a, a bit longer than normal. I think so. I, I think you're completely right, especially for anyone who follows England, I think in particular. Um, there were two utterly turgid international fixtures, um, which I think really did make time feel as if it was going by a lot more slowly. So it's really nice to have the Premier League back this weekend. Yeah, I think from my part, Northern Ireland and England were both finished by Sunday. Yeah, um, with their games, so I think that's where it's, it's got. Um, this also feels like a week when lots of people are going to forget about the teams or simply give up. So this is where advantages can start to be sought, right, George? Yeah, I think it's it's that kind of point in the season where people who signed up at the start of the year, you know, they're they're, they're going to start forgetting about it. And I think the people who are really wanting to push on will start really starting to plan things. And I think also this week, um, as with the previous week, was quite a natural place for people to play wild cards. So I think you're going to have on the one hand some people dropping off but then on the other you're going to have the people who are taking it seriously potentially doubling down a bit hello to everybody else that has played a wild card that would be me included <laughs> um lots planned for today's show we're going to have a look ahead to the the week's football in part two um a quick reminder on uh, on who's had some long and stressful international breaks it might be best to avoid in this week if you can um and a little bit of love to the middle of the premier league and those teams that are immediately not grabbing the headlines uh, so we'll kick off with a little look back on World Cup qualifying from a kind of fitness and rest point of view. Um, who are the players that you are most worried about, George? 
Uh, I think it's the the standard mixture of players who've played in South America, players who travelled over to Oceania for fixtures, because simply it, it comes down to flight times. Now, I've, I think we've spoken about it before in the podcast about how the South American players, essentially all the, the European clubs, um, chip in together to get them back on a private jet as quickly as possible. So even though there are a lot of, say, Brazilian players, for, you know, like Coutinho, Firmino, those kinds of players who would be potentially a risk at the very least they get back as quickly as possible so so that at least mitigates slightly for it I mean I think players like Aaron Moy who has literally flown to the other side of the world um, and then has flown all the way back they're going to be sort of a prime candidate for missing out and considering he's not really returned since game week two anyway he looks like the kind of player who you should probably be considering dropping to the bench um, I think as well there's possibly worth looking at someone like Nicholas Otamendi and asking a little bit of a question about him he obviously was playing centre-back for Argentina in their crunch game away in Ecuador which was at high altitude it was a really important game and then he's obviously had to fly back for a Saturday fixture with City playing in midweek in the Champions League I think it's pretty strongly likely that someone like that could be could be rested so I think you have to consider it but I, I try not to panic too much Mm. I think Aaron Moy is, is a good example that played both games for Australia, uh, went to extra time as well, and other side of the world, and arguably not been performing in fantasy Premier League. Actually, now is a good time to to use that swap and, and drop him out of the side. Um, we've all seen a lot of the videos and, and some of the euphoria around teams qualifying. Do you think there could even be a bit of a come down from that? For Mo Salah is, is a perfect example. His 95th minute penalty got Egypt to the World Cup uh, there was incredible scenes afterwards with everybody celebrating the actual he might, he might be fine physically and, and it's not necessarily that far to travel and, and he'll have got back and made training but actually the adrenaline that has gone through his body to then alright it's still Liverpool Manchester United but there's still a little bit of a come down there isn't there I think it's it's going to be a quite a difficult fixture um, for Liverpool anyway for a number of reasons because I mean obviously you know he's in he's in that position where he's coming back from such a high to come into a pretty difficult home fixture you know it's not necessarily what you're going to be looking for but there are other reasons why I think he could be set to struggle as well you know Roberto Firmino has not played brilliantly recently um, and that's been one of Liverpool's major problems up front Sadio Mane obviously will come back to this later but his injury I think deprives them of their most potent attacking weapon and even if you look at someone like Coutinho who looks like he's come back into the side in good form he's again someone else who's been affected by this long distance travel so I, I generally think that players like that might have some sort of effect but you've just got to make sure you tie it back to what's going on at a club level for them too mm, that's fun and um, yeah you've already touched a lot of at altitude and, and Alexis Sanchez who's not had the the most fun uh, for club level has then seen his, his chilly side crash out in pretty spectacular style as well yeah and I think it's uh, I think particularly with a player like Sanchez as well who's still boasting an incredibly high price tag it's it's difficult to go after someone like that when they're out of form I mean we saw it actually funnily enough with, with Kevin De Bruyne last season where he was racking up the assists but he wasn't necessarily scoring huge amounts of points so his high price tag was putting a lot of people off and his ownership really went above the 10% mark and to be totally honest and there's Sanchez I think starts firing back at the extent that he was last season I wouldn't be surprised to see a similar pattern emerge hmm. that's fair enough um, and one of the um, the sides I wanted or one of the kind of situations I want to talk about was the kind of the other middle um, in the Premier League so there's the, the kind of top six and they're drawing a lot of the headlines and there's 
incredible stories to be told about their managers and the players and the starts they've made. But who is it that perhaps below that? Um, I, like I think of Watford, they did lose five 0 to Manchester City, but have managed to bounce back and, and produce quite well. Who are the big point scorers amongst them? Well, for Watford, I think there's three players who, who really stand out at the moment. Um, there's Richarlison, who's the uh, Brazilian midfielder. Um, he's managed to get himself three goals, two assists, cost 6.2 million. And yet, despite returns that are that good for a side like Watford, you know, bearing in mind, obviously, that we've only played seven fixtures so far this season, he's only owned by 7.3% of managers because I think that extra little bit of money, that extra million in comparison to the next man, is causing people to opt instead for Abdullah Decore, who again is another midfielder, 5.3 million, and he's got himself three goals this season. His ownership is a little bit higher and again is at 12%. But I think one of the things to consider about both of those players is that despite the fact that they are you know demonstrably returning and they're in quite a good position I think to continue returning despite some tricky fixtures coming up their ownership isn't that high so I think if you're looking to playing something like a wild card and have that ability to make a few last minute swaps you may look towards one of those two and then last is someone else to look out for Kiko Femenia um, I think again we may well have mentioned him before um, but he's already got himself three clean sheets and three two point bonuses this season now Watford haven't kept a clean sheet fairly recently and I think they'll be hard pressed to in the next couple of games but I think if you are willing to find a player on your bench who's maybe not been performing this season or you have someone who costs a little bit more maybe someone near the five million mark and you're looking for someone to potentially replace him I think he, he would be quite well place to do that because despite the fact that Watford are scoring goals this season they do actually look quite solid at the back and I think they're going to deliver a surprisingly large amount of clean sheets mm. and another side that I think by now we're used to is, is delivering clean sheets of Burnley and quite a few of their defenders are actually pretty interesting value right already yeah I mean I think the stand-up pick and I think one of the most transiting players this week is Stephen Ward um, he got himself 12 points last time out and he was 4.5 million and he's moved up to 4.6 million now he's got three clean sheets three bonuses a goal and an assist so far this season which is you know it's excellent value and I can completely understand why everyone is jumping on board that I actually had him on my bench last week which was rather annoying but I did benefit from uh, his previous points total which was eight I think the week before so you know he is definitely recording points but I think just in general um, the whole of that Burnley back five is really worth considering and I'm, I'm saying back five for two reasons first of all obviously the rest of the defenders me Tarkovsky Lowton they're all at 4.5 million uh, their ownership's all sub 10% so there is the opportunity there for you to go in a slightly different direction if you want to but I think as well in goal um, Tom Heaton obviously was the player that everyone was talking about at the beginning of the season after he top scored amongst goalkeepers but after his injury he's been replaced by Nick Pope and at 4.5 million with an ownership of just 0.5% playing behind that defence I think he's actually in a really good position to become a good low-cost goalkeeping option Mm, there was it was um, Burnley against Everton before the international break, and I just could not couldn't not see Nick Pope coming out of that with some saves to his belt. I think his his debut or his first start came against Liverpool, and again it was one of those games where um, Burnley was set up to frustrate them, and Pope came away with seven or eight saves to his name, so a couple of save bonus points. Did um, likewise against Everton, and yeah, just seems like one of the players that if. Burnley keep clean sheets this season they will give up shots on targets to their opponents and, and it will go, come down to the goalkeepers having a good performance so 
Paul seems like a, a relatively smart one. Yeah, and there's um, just just something as well, just in relation to that. There was a piece last season written by Alex Stewart about Tom Heaton and about his stats. I think it was on Eat, Sleep, Drink, Football, where he said that one of the um, reasons why Heaton was able to keep so many clean sheets is that the Burnley centre-backs were solid, but the way that they defended also encouraged players to take long shots from the front of the box mm. and essentially straight down the middle of the goalkeeper so Burnley do concede shots against the goalkeeper but concede them in a way that limits the chance of that actually scoring and increases the chance of the keeper making a save so that could be beneficial too yeah yeah it's there's a a lot of interesting stuff about the way that Burnley set up Um, I've seen that as well where they're quite happy to give up what against other sides would be relatively good chances they back themselves to have four or five players in the way um, with Newcastle, they they've also kind of benefited from having a, a, a pretty strong defensive start, as well as a, a couple of bits of quality sprinkled further up the pitch. Yeah, that, that's definitely the case. I mean, I think we've seen uh, Rob Elliott is obviously proven to be an incredibly popular goalkeeping pick because he's essentially the, the cheapest active goalkeeper that you can get in the game. Uh, Jamal Lascelles as well, he's proven really popular because of the fact that he's been scoring from set pieces as well as keeping in those clean sheets. Um, I think in terms of the other players who've been really standing out for Newcastle, Christian Atsu has done okay, but I think that Matt Ritchie probably is the player that you should be going for. I still have Atsu in my side, but I think if I were to be able to change it now, I would go for Ritchie because a lot of Newcastle's threat is coming from corners and from free kicks. And then up front, there's the potential there for one of the Newcastle strikers to be a low-cost striker. I mean, you might well have seen this week that Harry Kane is up at the 12.8 million mark. So he's becoming, you know, one of the most expensive players, well, by by quite some distance now. So there's going to probably be a moment where you're going to have to find somewhere to free up some cash. So you could look towards someone like Ayeza Perez, but funnily enough, Hosselu does actually seem to be doing okay. I know his goal against Liverpool was a touch fortuitous, but I think he may well be reasonably placed to get a relatively frequent return of goals not a we're certainly not going to be talking about him scoring um, huge amounts every single game but if you're looking for a low-cost striker who may be well placed to rotate into your side for an attractive home fixture he might be worth considering Hmm. that's fair enough that makes sense I am flicking through my fantasy Premier League team as you say these recommendations um, to have a look Um, one of the sides that especially at the beginning of the season we were uh, saying as the sleepers for Fancy Premier League were Southampton, just given their quite easy start. Um, they haven't had the start they've expected, but they're still kind of there or thereabouts. Is there anybody that you would think about holding on to? Perhaps Fraser Foster, who's already racking up decent goalkeeping points? I think the big thing to note about Southampton is that four out of their top five point scorers so far this season are in the defence. So Fraser Forster. Maya Yoshida are the two top scoring players and then they've got another two players across that back four contributing most of their points so far. So I think what I'd say is that despite the fact that Southampton do look as if they are going to be the kind of side that draw pretty regular blanks throughout the season, um, I think they're also going to keep blanks at the, the other end. So Fraser Forster, as you mentioned, really good option. Um, he's at 5 million, but he's only two points behind David De Gea. And I think 
quite handily and helpfully highlighting the point that I think I was making earlier this season that a player like De Gea might look like great value because he gets clean sheets fairly regularly but that extra half a million might not get you as many points as you think in comparison to say a cheaper option um, but then on top of that I think Yoshida as well you know I mentioned him as their second highest scoring player um, he's 5 million his ownership is only 3.2% so what I'd say about Southampton is you certainly shouldn't be looking towards them for an attacking return but if you're looking for someone to come into the defensive mixture I'd argue that they'd say provide a better pick at least for the next three or four game weeks than say a West Brom player mm. that's fair enough that makes sense and Stoke not much has been kind of written about Stoke really their their defeat oh sorry their defeat of Arsenal in the season was more treated as an Arsenal loss rather than than Stoke necessarily beating them yeah. but they're not the side they used they're not Pulitzer's side anymore which a lot of people still kind of associate them with. No, and the, the teams, I think, still taking shape a little bit. You know, I think it was assembled largely out of relatively last-minute signings or loans. Um, and I think it's that, you know, they even had that, that match against Chelsea where they obviously had serious, you know, either injuries or, or ineligibility issues across their back line that deprived them of all of their, their sort of first-choice defenders. So there is that kind of feeling of not necessarily knowing with Stoke what you're going to get, which is pretty much for fancy managers the worst situation to be in but there's two players I think who are worth considering uh, Maxim Chupamoting um, he hasn't scored since he got that brace against Manchester United but he's always worth considering because he seems to be one of those sort of elusive midfielders who are actually playing as a striker which is always worth keeping an eye out for and then I think Jordan Shakiri as well you know um, I think it's fair to say that he has been patchy at times throughout um, his Stoke career but he's got two assists in the goal in his past four and at 5.9 million and ownership of under 5% could be an interesting differential mm. yeah could could quite be um, Chuba Muteng is, is the Josh King I think of, of this season yeah. um, so far it's, it depends if he can keep that up and, and keep going but um, I quite fancy his chances yeah um, so much so that he's he's in my provisional wildcard team, having mm-hmm. made various changes. Um, but we'll see, we'll see how that all kind of flips on it once I've kind of stared over it over the next twenty four hours and, and made sure, well, <laughs> less than twenty four hours now, um, and made sure all of my changes have been committed. Um, I think we'll um, we'll call it quits there for part one. Join us in part two, and we look ahead to the fixtures this weekend. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome back to the three bonus points podcast. That was nice. Um, now to focus on the Premier League fixtures this weekend. Um, where else can we start really but the opening game of the weekend, 12.30 on Saturday, Liverpool against Manchester United. Yeah, I think it, it's hard for me to see anything other than a United win here. Um, I think obviously there's, there are a lot of factors that would play into the belief that it will be a tight game. There was the fact that last time this fixture was played, it was the notoriously dull Red Monday 
um, where I think when they played this, this home game, it was the single most boring game I think I've seen between uh, the top yeah. six in a very long time. Nil-nil, nothing particularly happened. Um, but I think this time around, there's a few things that I think count quite heavily in Manchester United's favour. Um, first of all, what we were mentioning earlier in the show, uh, injuries, uh, long-distance travel, these kinds of things are going to be hitting Liverpool a bit more hard because, well, essentially their, their squad is that little bit thinner than Manchester United's quite rich and deep squad. Second, there's Liverpool's form, which has obviously been bad over the past five games in comparison to Manchester United's seemingly imperious run of winning games and, broadly speaking, keeping clean sheets along the way. And then there's just a stylistic issue, um, which I think is that the way Liverpool play encourages them to obviously push up um, and it obviously leaves this opportunity and this space in behind for a team with a lot of pace on the counter. And if there was one thing that I would be saying that Manchester United would be ideally suited for, it would be playing against a team that offers space on the counter for them to run in behind. You know, the, the options for Lukaku, for Mkhitaryan, uh, possibly someone like Jesse Lingard, and then almost certainly one of Marcus Rashford or Anthony Martial on either side of the flanks. I think there is a realistic chance that Manchester United could win this quite comfortably. But never say never. You know, with Coutinho back and his ability to strike shots from distance, I think there is potentially an opportunity there for them to at least get on the score sheet. And if that happens, well, you just never know. Good. Makes me feel better about Rashford being in. That's fine. I've made he's in. He's made the cut on my uh, wild card side. Um, and Watford, who we mentioned, are hosting Arsenal in the evening fixture. I, I think, which will be interesting to see if the Hornets have learned anything from the five 0 thrashing at Man City, or if they will get caught out again. Yeah, it was, it was an interesting game that one because I think there's two teams um, this weekend who are playing who have either recovered from a thrashing or are coming off the back of a thrashing. So Huddersfield, obviously, were beaten four um, nil against when they played Spurs last time out and then Watford obviously the last time they played a big team they, they lost 5-0 the reason why I'm mentioning these two sides in the same breath though is that I don't think in either game they actually played as badly as the result suggests I think there are going to be times this season where I think teams in, in the middle to the lower end of the Premier League will get shellacked by one of the top sides you know whether it's Harry Kane scoring seemingly every chance that he's given for Spurs or in this particular instance for City it was just an absolutely absurd performance including a couple of goals it was slightly questionable um, offside decisions but I think they'd be well placed to recover against Arsenal um, the three players we mentioned earlier I think would be worth considering um, Andre Gray is another one that you might want to consider if you want to go for a, a striker he's under 6.5 million up front but I think to Arsenal's credit and something that may have gone slightly under the radar is that they've actually racked up a decent number of clean sheets on the run and I think that means that actually if you are looking to try and bring a defender into your side and you're trying to see someone who may be able to you know, provide a few more consistent clean sheet points than you'd expect, I mean I, I would potentially be considering someone across that Arsenal defence or perhaps checking goal if you do want to invest in that expensive keeper. Excellent use of shellac. Thank you. Shellacking. Thank you. That is splendid. Um, yeah, I. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I've got any Arsenal defenders. I'm not overly tempted by them. Um, looking elsewhere on the games on on Saturday in particular, how much do you think Real Madrid looming on Tuesday night will play on the minds of the Tottenham players? It's it's a difficult one to say. Um, I think that will have some impact, but I think that 
Spurs still need to get rid of that Wembley hoodoo in the uh, Premier League. So I think there is a good incentive for them to perform well, to put out a strong side. And I think, you know, with Harry Kane in the form that he's in, he's now up to 12.8 million in fantasy football. It's uh, it's difficult to see them doing anything other than winning this game and winning it quite comfortably against a Bournemouth side who really have been unfortunately struggling this season. The potential question will be to what extent Pochettino rotates to account for that fixture midweek. Um, you know, previously Ben Davis was surprisingly rested uh, a few game weeks ago, and I think it's those fullback positions where it seems to be that you know Spurs are probably most likely to make the changes because they don't seem to be too keen to disrupt the Ali Kane Eriksson dynamic up front. But, you know, maybe this will be the week when everyone's brought in Kane and Fernando Llorente starts, which would be, you know, one hell of a... That would be one hell of a headline, that would be, if that, that oh, happened. That would be phenomenal. It would just be yeah, absolutely that, staggering. That would be tremendous. Um, looking with the other Champions League games, obviously Real Madrid against Spurs is, is the big one. And Liverpool's trip to Maribor is probably the only gimme that I see for the English sides when you think City are playing Napoli, Chelsea face Roma and Man United have got Benfica. Obviously, Man United are playing um, Liverpool, but City and Chelsea, could you, is this a week of rotation for both of them? I think there could be an element of rotation. I feel as if, uh, you know, again, seemingly drumming, you know, drumming the same drum over and over again, um, City have a small squad, so their ability to rotate is reduced. But it does mean that a player, you know, like, for example, Bernardo Silva may come in. Uh, for a home game against Stoke which you know to be totally honest is reasonably winnable um, even with a fairly heavily rotated squad Chelsea um, again there's there's opportunity for rotation but I think really the main thing is going to be what happens in the absence of Alvaro Morata you know his prospects had been rising ahead of that game against City last time out and then obviously his injury has led to him being essentially the most transferred player out this week so the question I think will be who will replace him up front? The logical answer would be Batshuayi, but you know I think there's there's enough evidence to suggest that Conte isn't entirely convinced. At which point that might mean a player like William, who I thought was going to move out of the equation due to the return of Eden Hazard, might remain in it if he's pushed further forwards, or it could provide extra value to Pedro, who hasn't necessarily done too much this season, but was actually one of the surprisingly consistent point scorers from last time out. Hmm. That is quite interesting. I wasn't aware of how bad Morata's injury was. Mm. Um, I thought it was a knock rather than being a 50-50 kind of call. Yeah. Which you'd imagine they won't risk um, for Saturday's game against Palace. Yes, it's an away trip right? to Crystal yep. Palace. So yeah. you should fancy you know, a Chelsea win there. But I think it's a question about looking for who that replacement is just in case it does last longer than we expect. Mm. Yeah, that's true. Um Swansea against Huddersfield. That feels like a good chance for Huddersfield to bounce back from their um, humbling by Spurs. Yeah, I mean, to me, that that's a fixture that has um, nil-nil draw written all over it. Um, I think, I don't necessarily... Um, it's difficult to say. I mean, Swansea, I think, are, are defensively a bit more solid than people expect them to be. Uh, Fabianski's got two clean sheets already this season has racked up a decent number of save points. Um and I think Huddersfield perhaps lack a little bit of cutting edge. Um, I mean, they were a bit unlucky against Spurs. I feel they, they they could have gotten at least I think a goal out of that game, if not not if not anything more. But I think this kind of game is one that I think 
fantasy football managers should be paying attention to not because I don't think it's necessarily going to be that interesting but fixtures like this often present good chances for uh, defenders to pick up relatively decent amounts of points and I think if you start planning ahead for these kinds of matches where it looks as if neither side particularly has an edge over the other it can be an opportunity to pick up some some unexpected clean sheets Mm, good reason to bring in Christopher Lowe Christopher Lowe I think (laughs) Um, in from from Huddersfield, um, and who are you kind of considering transferring into your team from the other games that we kind of haven't mentioned? So, are there any? Well, Burnley, West Ham, we mentioned you, Stephen Ward's probably going to come off your bench. Um, the and then the games on Super Sunday: so Brighton, Everton, and Southampton, Newcastle. Yeah, you see, uh, the two changes I've made this meet, week have been Avara um, Morata and Roberto Firmino going out of my team. One due to injury, one due to form, um, and their replacements: Harry Kane. Um, to be totally honest, I, I was just looking at his, uh, just looking at that form over September again, and the 13 goals that he managed to score in that month, and thought, well, I can't really not have him in my team. I need to make sure that I've got him there. But the player who I've decided to back, it actually comes from the Monday night match, and that's Shinji Okazaki, um, who I'm bringing in for 5.6 million. He's got himself three goals in his first seven game weeks, so that's actually a remarkably decent return. And West Brom have only got one clean sheet in the last five game weeks. So I think there is actually a reasonable chance that Leicester will get a result there. And Okazaki may be able to provide me a bit of value. Hmm, interesting. I also noticed you, you make a little bit of a profit on those two deals, I think, if you're bringing in Okazaki to replace Firmino. Yes. So, I, well, one of the things is that I think I get back... I've made a profit on quite a few players this season, which has been handy. I mean, I think I've lost whatever profit I've made on those few players due to um, Harry Kane's price soaring, Mm. I think, in recent weeks. But I think um, with Okazaki, he does give me a little bit of extra money to play with in the coming weeks. And one of the things that I do need to factor in is, even though I'm not necessarily sure I rate Liverpool this weekend... I think in future fixtures, I think Coutinho uh, potentially to replace Mkhitaryan, I think is is potentially going to happen for me fairly soon. So I'll see what happens, I guess. But I do need that little bit of extra money that Okazaki frees up for me to make that happen. Mm. Interesting. Very, very interesting. Um, I've gone with your system that you mentioned about trying to have one of every player or one player from each of the big six in the midfield and attack to at least be sure of some points um, although one of those players is Morata so I think he'll be coming out before the deadline <laughs> um, but I have played the wild card I tried to go for it um, I had a little look at goalkeepers from last season um, and their points after 7 weeks to see if they are normally the players that hang around are in the top 10 goalkeepers by the end of the season and they rough, they approximately are um, which has caused me to kind of plumb for I think Jonas Lossel and um, Rob Elliott for now for cheap value and for consistent performance um, and have then kind of picked relatively smartly based on some of your recommendations so Kiko Firmenia, Ben Mee, Christoph Lowe um, and Yoshida are all in there along with Trippier yeah. Uh, so yeah I've uh, I've gone from a wild card Christian Eriksen has remained because um, he will just stay in my team until he breaks his leg yeah. I think basically he will always be in my fantasy team yeah um, but yeah, we'll see how we go from there. That's it, yeah. And I think Christian Eriksen, I think he's going to stay on my team. He may be an unwitting victim if I do feel like I need to bring Coutinho in and can't quite make it work with a Mkhitaryan transfer out. But in general, I feel as if your principle of 
Ericsson in my fantasy team until the day I'm no longer playing fantasy football seems like a relatively strong way of playing this game at this moment in time. If Tottenham play well, he will play well and he will score points. Exactly. Um, Pretty much. Uh, Before we go, just a quick congratulations to the top three in our mini league. Ray Hamill, Matt Vale and Khaled Luhishi, um, who all take home books from Opry Books. Uh, Two of you still have to get in touch with us, uh, so if you could do that, that'd be great. Um, I can't seem to track you down on Twitter. Well, I think I've tracked you down, but you haven't responded to us, so... Um, yeah, good luck to everybody listening for Game Week 8. For any more tips or chatter, get yourself following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram with the username 3 bonus points. And if you want to get in touch with the show, you can email show at 3bonuspoints.com with any questions, queries, or suggestions. Thank you. Bye bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.